Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Right before I sat down to record this episode, I was listening to an episode on another podcast. This podcast is called the Plain People Podcast. My friend Jenny introduced me to it, and it's one that I can't universally recommend because it can be very triggering and it's very heartbreaking, but it talks about abuse that has occurred in some very conservative Amish and Mennonite churches. And because we lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for a year, um, and many of our friends there were ex-Mennonite or ex-brethren, I was just curious about the podcast and I've listened to several episodes. And so the last episode I was listening to was talking about an abuse case where the family was coming out of a a Mennonite church that was extremely legalistic. Now, I want to be sure to clarify, not all Mennonite churches are like this. This was a particular church that was operating this way. And the thing about legalism is that it inevitably leads to either hedonism, self-righteousness, or abuse. And we're going to get into what legalism is and how it shapes us, what we can do to avoid it and and confront it biblically. But I wanted to just make that connection because when we add on to the word of God, it can lead to some extremely serious abuses not just, you know, living in self-righteousness or being arrogant, which is probably, you know, a lower level in our minds, um, sin than sexual abuse, but it can also lead us to actually justify these grievous sins or cover up these sins because we've created a standard of quote unquote righteousness. That's only about the outward appearance. And it doesn't tell us the full story of what's going on in someone's heart. And so legalistic environments actually promote this cover-up, this secrecy, this hidden sin, because you cannot be vulnerable. You cannot be transparent in an environment like that. And that's not something that's relegated only to your occasional extremely abusive Mennonite church or Amish church. This happens everywhere, every denomination. We see this happen in the Catholic church. We see this happen Willow Creek, where we see these sexual scandals happening. And why is it happening? You've got a power struggle or a power abuse from a spiritual leader whose outward appearance is what matters most. And so I know that this is kind of starting out this episode very serious and perhaps even a little scary or discouraging, but I want to just relay how important the legalism conversation is because it isn't harmless. It isn't something that we can ignore. I would 
honestly say, I don't have numbers. This is just anecdotal, but I would honestly say that most people who leave the church do so because of legalism. It's a big deal. So we're looking at chapter five of Stop Calling Me Beautiful. This first season of Verity is going through the topics in each chapter of my new book, Stop Calling Me Beautiful, Finding Soul Deep Strength in a Skin Deep World. We're talking about how Christ gives us victory and strength to overcome in all areas of life and specifically focusing on certain areas where Jesus is giving us that power. And we've talked about sexual sin. We've talked about community. We've talked about understanding the Bible rightly. And now we're talking about legalism. Now, this is something that I am so passionate about, not just because of the propensity for legalism to result in abuse, to result in people leaving the church or becoming hedonistic or becoming simply self-righteous and arrogant and proud of their own perceived righteous behavior, but because I grew up in very conservative circles and I've watched the damage that legalism does, not just in the lives of other people, but in my own life. When I took on forms of legalism and added on to the freedom of scripture, I've seen what that did to my heart. I've seen that what that did to my friendships and what it did to my view of God, because legalism destroys. It does not build up. So the first thing we want to talk about is what what legalism is. And the way I like to describe it is it's man's shortcut to holiness. It's looking at scripture, expanding what is there and saying, well, if we want to honor God, we need to do all of these things. We need to create these extra fences and then taking those fences and saying, this is what God said to do. So many people point to the Pharisees in scripture as the first legalists. And I do think we need to be careful with this historically, because the more I understand the Jewish context of scripture, I actually have more compassion on the Pharisees. Now, I'm not saying I'm going up against what Jesus said to them directly, but we need to understand that the commentary on Torah, so the Mishnah, that they were mainly abiding by wasn't all bad. It wasn't like, oh, they just invented all these rules on top of the, of Torah. And so therefore they became legalists. No, there, there was a lot of commentary on Torah that was part of their understanding of how to walk it out. And the issue became when they elevated the commentary above Torah instead of using it as a tool to better observe the law of God. And so for us, we have that same struggle where we can tend to look at scripture and see you know, commands to be in unity with our brethren. Well, what would make it easier to be in unity with our brethren? And we come up with some ideas. Maybe, you know, well, let's create a program at church where everybody has to pitch in and take turns in the nursery so that we're, everybody can have a chance to sit in the service. So pretty soon you've got this program with everybody is taking turns in the nursery mandated. I've never seen a church do this, but let's just go with it. Mandated that everybody takes a turn in the nursery. And then you take that idea and you say, you're in sin if you don't 
you know, do your time. You're in sin or, or observing, saying that someone's motives are sinful or wrong if they don't fulfill their obligation and that they're they're going up against the unity of the church because they're not participating the way that they should. This is kind of a vague example, but I hope you're seeing what I'm saying here is that we take the principle, we add on to it, and then we act as if God gave that addition and we hold people to that. That's an example of legalism, but a more probably tangible example for you where legalism tends to show up is in modesty. So modesty is a favorite for expanding on God's commands and and adding on to what we were told to do. So we see a few commands in scripture regarding modesty. Really, they just say modest dress. And when we look at the context of where this discussion was happening, a lot of the modesty, what's modesty mean? It means humility. A lot of the modesty had to do with not showcasing your wealth in a church that had mixed economic statuses. So don't come in, as Peter said, with your hair braided with gold and pearls, which was typical for Greek women back then. Their hair could weigh as much as 12 pounds with all of the jewelry they'd have in it. They come into the church this way and they make the poorer people feel like they don't belong. Modesty was giving others this example of humility, of being open to community without, you know, flashing yourself around. Now, what has happened is we've taken that principle and we expand it. And we say, well, true modesty is shoulder to shoulder, neck to knee, anything other than that God is not pleased with. And then we come up with verses to support that. And if that's your standard, totally respectable. The problem is when you take that standard and you then judge other people's motives by it. That is not our job. That is not in scripture. It's not in scripture. Even though when I was growing up as a teenager in the homeschool world, I had several girls tell me it's in the Bible, shoulder to shoulder, neck to knee. It's in the Bible somewhere. And I remember looking through Leviticus going, I I don't, you know, I don't love Leviticus, but I sure can't find this in here. You know, I've heard sermons where it was talked about how the tunics that were given to Adam and Eve were, you know, a standard set for how we should dress. All of this to say that legalism happens when we take what is clearly in scripture, dress modestly, a principle of behavior that isn't super detailed. It isn't a checklist. And we expand it to become the checklist that we want. And then we measure other people by it. Now, here's the thing that people often miss when it comes to legalism. Legalism takes many forms. Most people associate it with long skirts, long hair, purity rings, chaperone dates. But the other extreme is also true. When someone says it's uptight or legalistic to refrain from swearing, oh, you're just so legalistic because you're not comfortable swearing, or to wear a suit to church, or to only sing hymns, as if these things prevent a real relationship with God, that's another form of legalism. You can be just as legalistic about tattoos, trendy church services, as you can about dating and modesty. Legalism is any action added onto the gospel in order to please God. 
I actually see this the most in charismatic environments. And for those of you who don't know, I come from a charismatic background. My grandparents were assemblies of God. It's um, a strong legacy in my family, even though we're no longer in a charismatic church. And in the charismatic world, the legalism often takes the form of being open to the quote unquote Holy Spirit. And if you're not dancing around or as expressive in your worship, or maybe you're not comfortable with some of the words that are, are in some of the worship songs, or maybe you don't have the gift of tongues and you don't speak in tongues. The, they will say things like, well, you're not open to the Holy Spirit. You're not open to the leading of God. That's an example of adding on to scripture, adding extra rules on in a different form than you might see in a fundamentalist Baptist church. So this takes it takes all different kinds of forms because legalism is not something that your indie fundy friend has a monopoly on. It is a spiritual problem and it can pervade any environment if you let it. And so it's important that we walk with the Holy Spirit to guide us into the abundant life Jesus promised and learn how to discern legalism and confront it in our lives. So a lot of legalism comes back to the right way to be a Christian, but the right way to be a Christian is to follow the Holy Spirit according to the word of God. And the thing about God's word, and the longer I study it, the more time I spend in it, the more I see this, he really is not super specific in a lot of the things he commands. A lot of what he commands is actually very broad. We hear about this often with dating relationships. There's no dating chapter of the Bible. It was written in a very specific culture. It addressed cultural issues at that time. And so it's up to us to take the principles that were taught and understand them in a whole different culture. And we know that the Bible is inspired and inerrant and it applies to all ages and all cultures. So our job is to understand what is the theological principle that God is after here and how how does that translate to my day and age? And to go back to the modesty conversation, humility in dress. Am I drawing undue attention to myself, to my economic status, to my sexuality, to me in general? Am I a distraction? Now, the difference here is that God is not blaming anybody saying, you know, women are responsible to protect men and to keep them from stumbling, which is clearly unscriptural based on what Jesus said about adultery in the Sermon on the Mount, but rather that he's after a heart attitude, the heart attitude of dignity and honor, sanctity of life and sanctity of sex. These things are principles we live by. And if you truly believe in the sanctity of life, you will honor yourself and your body and you will honor others and their bodies. And that will translate to how you dress. It's actually very simple, but it requires walking with the Holy Spirit, listening to his voice and following in obedience when you feel that check in your spirit and say, I don't know if this is an appropriate thing to wear in this environment. And maybe it's time for me to lay down my freedom and choose holiness for the sake of this person who will be there or the environment that I'm in or how I'm presenting myself. One of the issues with legalism 
is that it tries to manufacture the spirit-led life without the Holy Spirit. It removes the need for the Holy Spirit and proof texts the Bible saying that, oh, the Bible says this. Instead of understanding that the Holy Spirit expands the Bible and applies it to our lives when the areas that we aren't sure about or seem kind of gray um, need to be expanded, he leads us specifically. And that will lead to some differences in how we walk out our Christian lives. But the legalist can't stand that because legalism requires a cookie cutter Christian. But that's not the kind of Christian that God is after. He's after a holy Christian. And I realize that for some of you, this is going to be really hard to understand because you, we think in our human minds, well, if, if you're being a Christian, then you all have to look exactly the same way. And this is why we have some people who really take issue with denominations and think that all denominations are bad. Reality is when you understand church history, denominations aren't all bad. Many of the denominations that exist today are the product of little mini reformations of people choosing to walk in holiness and splitting from a previous church that had chosen to depart from true doctrine. Even the initial reformation that led to the entire Protestant diversity that we have today, the break from the Catholic church, this happened because they were trying to reform the church. Their intent wasn't to break it. They were trying to reform it. When that couldn't happen because of the state of the Catholic church at that time, they broke off completely. And then the differences of theology resulted in different churches. While it isn't always ideal, and there are some really dumb reasons that churches split, a lot of times it's over major doctrinal issues and leads us to a stronger body. So this isn't a, an episode about church history and denominations. We'll get to that in another season. But I just want to say that this legalism conversation ties into this because, you know, I, when you think that all Christians, they all need to look the same, they all need to do the same thing. No, we unite around the gospel and walking that out in holiness, pursuing holiness. Sin has to be defined the same way on the matters that God defined it, not on the matters of shorts versus skirts. God does not speak to that. And so it's our job to walk out our convictions with the Holy Spirit's leading in those areas. And remember that in the end, God's gospel is what needs to be furthered, not just our modesty standards. Okay, friends, we know that scripture applies to all of life and two areas of life where I see the influence of the Christian worldview the most is in relationships and sexuality. For a long time, that's actually what my blog was about, was about Christian sexuality and dating and marriage relationships. I've moved a little bit away from that on the blog, but I do have two books that focus on these areas and they are available on Amazon and on my website. So the first one is Safe to Feel, a 30-day devotional for women who struggle with affection. This is great for women who struggle with emotional intimacy or wondering why they want to withdraw when people want to hug them, kind of getting to the root of that struggle and what scripture says about it. The second one is called Christian Cosmo, The Sex Talk You Never Had. And this book is for any woman who needs to reframe her view of sexuality to understand God's view of sex and what it means for her. 
especially if you never got taught a biblical sexual ethic from someone who loved you and cared about you. These books are both available on Amazon or also on FeliciaMasonheimer.com and all the proceeds from them go to support this podcast. Okay, so when we're looking at scriptures guides around legalism, as I said earlier, legalism always ends up in one of two ways in self-righteousness or hedonism. We can either end up exalting our own behavior or rejecting our faith in order to please ourselves. And both of these things start with a small view of God. So when I was in my teens, my parents suggested, strongly suggested that we not date in high school. And this wasn't like a rule. My dad wasn't on the porch with a shotgun. He just said, I dated in high school. Your mom dated in high school. We didn't end up with any of those people. So it's probably best if you just don't date in high school and just have a lot of great friendships. We, so we didn't, and I'm very grateful for that. I think it really helped me to stay undistracted during that period of time and set me up for success after high school. And so when I was 18, I got asked on a date. So how exciting, right? Well, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I guess I never really asked and immediately was thinking, well, what's the rule for this situation? So rather than actually be a normal person. I told the guy that he needed to call my dad. I handed him a business card and I ran up the sidewalk to my car. So handled that really well. But when I told my dad what happened, he started laughing and said, why on earth did you do that? I never told you a guy had to call me before you could go on a date with him. If he's a decent guy, I trust you. So my parents' initial rule was made out of love and care and wisdom. But I took their initial rule and created extra rules for myself, ones my parents never even gave me. This is an example of what we do with God's law. We take the law of love, which is meant to keep us in harmony with him, a general principle for living wisdom from him. That's his law of God of love. And we add extra burdens to his commands. Then when the burden becomes too heavy, we blame God for being unreasonable and we run from his grace. Do you see how ridiculous this is? It's as ridiculous as me handing a guy a business card as my dad told me to do that when he never did. He had given me this wisdom. I took it, expanded on it, living in fear instead of trust, and ended up making a fool of myself. Thank heavens that I met Josh five years later because, good gracious, I might never be married otherwise. So running from God because of man-made rules is a pattern as old as humanity. We see this with the Pharisees and Sadducees when they reject Jesus. They knew God's promise of a Savior better than anyone else. But for all their talk about God and his holiness, the Pharisees view of God was actually quite small. They could not see how God could fulfill his Messiah promise through someone like Jesus. And they were more concerned with the rules that made people look good, no matter what was going on inside. And that's what legalism does. It limits God. It minimizes who he is and it blinds us to his true work. Legalism presents him as caring more about outward actions than the heart behind those actions. 
And that's not what God is most concerned about. He's concerned about the motives of our hearts. Now, I want to add a little caveat here. I think you'll hear sometimes from people who are coming out of legalism or were burned by legalism that the motive of the heart is all that matters. So it doesn't matter how you behave. And the reality is this, when you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, which is the first and greatest commandment, you're going to pursue holiness. You are, you're going to be kind. You're going to reflect God's goodness. You're going to be careful with what you're watching and how you talk. We are told, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So the difference here is someone who's being led by the spirit and someone who's legalistic can be doing the exact same things for totally different motives. You could have someone over here who never swears, who never watches raunchy movies because they love God dearly. And they want to honor him and walk in holiness. And they follow the spirit's leading when they sense, ah, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. I need to turn this off. Whereas this other person who's led by legalism is doing so out of fear of what the people in their church might say, or out of judgment on other people who watch things that they wouldn't watch. You can be living the exact same life and one is pleasing to God and one is dishonorable to God because of the state of your heart. The legalist cannot please God with their holiness because they're really only after pleasing themselves and honoring themselves. Whereas the person who's led by the Holy Spirit into holiness, everything they do honors God because their heart is in the right place. That's the fundamental difference. It doesn't mean that we aren't pursuing holiness. So as we're kind of getting close to the end of this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about what we do in facing legalism and how we walk out of it. A lot of it comes back to understanding holiness and purity and grace. See, we can't earn peace with God through the law. We choose holiness because we already have his peace. Do you see what I'm saying here? We don't choose holiness to keep God's favor. God's favor is on us through Jesus Christ. Our identity is adopted as sons. We are in Christ. We are secure. So we choose holiness because it's who we are. It's not something that we're bartering with God. And that's why a lot of people coming from legalism live with this deep set fear of God's judgment and his, even his hatred that he does not actually love them. They'll talk about the love of God. They'll talk about grace and truth, but it's neither gracious nor is it truthful because it's not expressing the love of God and giving his law. Legalism always misses the mark. It always presents God as this cosmic fun police or this guy up in the sky who's ready to drop an anvil on you instead of presenting him as an all-wise, all-holy, all-loving God who gave a law that leads us into holiness and keeps us in communion with him through Christ. But when we get things mixed up, when we start to view God through the wrong lens, when we start to view God as the unloving judge, our actions will reflect that. We will live and we will act in fear. We will not choose our actions out of love for him and faith in him. 
Though the religious leaders, so the Pharisees, followed every detail of the scribal law, that's not what God was after. Now, he, he did honor it. If you notice, Jesus mentions, and I don't have the verse reference here, but he mentions, you tithe a tenth of your spices, your dill and your cumin, but you do not observe the greater things of the law, justice and mercy. He said you should have observed the latter without neglecting the former. So he wasn't saying you guys are all distracted by, you know, pursuing these, you know, being diligent to tithe. He wasn't saying forget tithing, just pursue justice and mercy, which I frequently hear now in the progressive camp that, you know, it doesn't matter about, you know, what, what the Bible says about these things. What matters is that we pursue these principles of justice and mercy and love. Well, Jesus said, pursue those things and also honor what I told you to do. Live the way I told you to live, but don't neglect the greater things in pursuit of the minutia. And legalism will always major in the minors instead of majoring in the majors. We are to major in both is what Jesus is saying. And when you're majoring in justice and mercy and love and honor for people and for God, the minutia, the smaller things of the law will naturally flow from you because you've got it where it belongs. You have the right relationship. Now, if you grew up in an environment that required certain clothes, types of music, dating rules alike, letting go of the rules can feel like letting go of Christianity. And accepting Christ's offer of freedom to follow his spirit into holiness feels like a big risk. How do we know what the Bible condemns and what we're free to do in Christ? So we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, which says, Jesus is talking here. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word yoke here was a euphemism for teaching, his rabbinic teaching. In contrast to the heavy burden of legalism, Jesus' teaching is easy. Following him is not complicated some of the religious leaders in that day did make it complicated, and some churches today do make it complicated. But God wants us to rest in his spirit and from that place of restful trust to walk out our faith and confidence. And this is what Jesus meant in John 15 when he said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You cannot please God with your modesty and your worship and your daily choices and your words and your media unless you remain in him. And what you do is a product of that abiding. Legalism cannot substitute the spirit-led life. God leads us to true heart change. And unless that happens, external behaviors have no eternal merit. So um, there's recently been a blog post. I guess it's gotten a resurgence. I, I wrote a rebuttal against it, I think a year ago or so. It's called um, Men Prefer Debt-Free Virgins Without Tattoos written by The Transformed Wife. It's a very well-known, extremely conservative blogger. 
And in the blog post, so she's since her original writing, she's added an addendum saying that there's redemption for women who who have a sexual history, but for at least the first two years that this post ran, she didn't have that addendum on there. And so she wrote this blog post saying that men don't want women with a sexual history. Christian men don't want women who have debt or have tattoos. And unfortunately, that covers a lot of us. <laughs> and so the the post, I don't really understand the motive of the post or how helpful it was supposed to be because in the end, all it did was really preach a condemnation over women who are trying to, you know, find their way to the Lord or are walking with the Lord and are now sitting here going, okay, so there's no chance for me of finding a godly man because, you know, I have one or all three of these things. But the issue is, when you look at a post like this, legalism always starts with a little truth, and that's why it's so convincing. The Bible does advise us to make wise use of debt and to not undergo, not go into debt foolishly or impulsively. This is in Psalm 37, Proverbs 28, and Matthew 25. And God is clear that sexual promiscuity is outside his will. It's evidence of living in the flesh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Thessalonians 4. But the author of the blog post took these biblical truths and expanded them, presenting her opinion as God-ordained law. But when we compare this post to what scripture says, we find a different story. The Bible does not expressly forbid going into debt. In Matthew 18, Jesus told a parable depicting a lender relationship. We know that debt is not ideal, but is in some circumstances unavoidable, and it can be paid off with wisdom and diligence. When Josh and I got married, he had $30,000 in student loans. We paid it off in 15 months. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. So when we got married, you know, I could have turned around and said, my husband isn't a good choice because he had this student loan debt. Another example is this loss of virginity. It can occur from a promiscuous lifestyle, but it can also occur at the hands of rape or sexual abuse. So now are we going to tell every victim of sexual abuse and rape, or even women who have made sinful choices in their past, that there's no hope for them? that there's no chance of them finding love. And I don't think any addendum at the end of a blog post can really make up for this kind of condemnation because it does not reflect the hope of redemption. Second Corinthians five tells us that there's redemption for all of those who are in Christ. And then lastly, regarding the tattoos, the only mention of tattoos is in Leviticus where they are forbidden in the context of pagan idol worship, Leviticus 19.28. And this law was very specific to the culture in which Israel lived at the time. So this post, which, you know, causes such an uproar online, illustrates an important point. Legalism is always the product of misinterpreted scripture. When we look at the actual truths God has for us, we find freedom leading to holiness. It might actually surprise the author of the blog post to know that when I married Josh, I was a debt-free virgin with no tattoos, but he wasn't drawn to me because of that. It was because of our shared love for Christ, even though my husband was not a virgin, had tattoos, and had $30,000 in student loans. Because Jesus died for everyone, and our righteous choices come from a desire to walk out that identity and what he gave us. 
So we don't, we don't take biblical principles and we expand these to universal commands. So use money wisely, expanding it. It's a sin to go into debt. And while some things such as sexual purity are commands from God, they are commands colored by grace. Only in Christianity do we have a hope for restoration. Jesus redeems it all. Legalism brings condemnation. Grace brings hope. So the last thing I want to leave you with is if you grew up in this Christianity of law and regulation, leaving legalism and doing whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do may sound like a scary thought. I believe it was, it might've been D.A. Carson said, or Dwight Moody, actually, it might've been him, follow the Holy Spirit and then do whatever you want. And that's kind of a shocking statement, but when you're following the Holy Spirit, whatever you do will reflect the heart of God. That's the freedom we have. When you are walking with him and listening for his voice in the word consistently and not getting your sustenance on easy little devotionals that don't actually teach you what God says, when you are in the word and seeking him and walking with him and cultivating that thriving relationship, you will have the wisdom to know this is the right decision. This is where, what to wear here. This is what to say here. This is the person to date. He will give you that wisdom, but it's a step-by-step relationship. If you just had a checklist of things to do, you wouldn't even need a relationship with God. It wouldn't be a relationship with God. So if you're seeking a checklist, what you're really saying is you don't want a daily relationship with God. And that's a heart issue. And that's something we all have to be willing to sit there and say, why do I want to shortcut the relationship I'm supposed to have with a holy and loving God. Legalism is a shortcut, but it cannot lead you to a deep spiritual life. The right way to be a Christian is to follow the spirit according to the word. When we live under condemnation, we naturally condemn other people. But when we live under grace, we are quick to offer compassion We celebrate those who are growing in faith alongside us, not comparing how they work out their salvation to how we're working out ours, but we are free to worship, not according to tradition or regulation, but in spirit and in truth. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes. 